turn with me to the New Testament as we go once again to the book of Revelation, the 21st chapter. And tonight it's a great joyful heart that we have to be able to go into the 21st chapter of this great grandeur of God's Word. And uh, as we think about Revelation chapter 21, there's a few things that we, we must state. And uh, I want to remind you that we're talking about, leading up to this point, impure government, corrupt religion, bad leadership, painful suffering, sin and temptation. But joy and praise be to God, when we think about the 21st chapter, we see no more tears, no more sorrow, no more crying, no, no more pain, no more death. Uh, there's a lot of rejoicing that we should have as children of God when we come to this 21st chapter. I think that Revelation is one of those books that many people stray away from. And it's always been a great book of mine to go to in a, in a sense of curiosity and learning and growing and to hear from the Word of God. And as I look in Revelation chapter one, uh, chapter 21, it brings me back to Genesis. It brings me back to the very origin of mankind and the will of God for mankind. The relationship that God has always intended to have his desire to walk with man. The Bible says in Genesis chapter 3, verse number 6, And when the woman saw that the tree was good for food, and that it was pleasant to the eyes, and that the tree to be desired to make one wise, she took of the fruit thereof and did eat, and gave also unto her husband with her, and he did eat. And the eyes of them both were, were open, and they knew that they were naked. They sewed fig leaves together and made themselves aprons. And then he says in verse number 8, And they heard the voice of the Lord walking in the garden in the cool of the day, and Adam and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord God amongst the trees of the garden. We understand that in Revelation chapter 20, there's no more trees to hide behind. In fact, the Bible tells us, he says in verse 11 of chapter 20, And I saw the great white throne and him that sat on it from whose face the earth and the heaven fled away, and there is found no more place for them. What we find here is from Genesis all the way to Revelation, the will of God. The will of God concerning His relationship with mankind. And that is to have a consistency of uh, openness and love and kindness and leaning on and yielding to and following in and being submitted to the will of God. It has never been the will of God for man to fall into sin and live in this manner. It was never God's design nor His plan. But man had a choice. And we know the story as man chose. Because of Adam's sin has been passed down from one generation to the next. And now we find ourselves in the beginning God created the heaven and the earth. Now we find ourselves in Revelation chapter 21, the Creator continues in His action of creation. The Bible says in verse 1, And I saw a new heaven and a new earth, for the first heaven and the first earth were passed away, and behold, there was no, there was, there was no more sea. And I, John, saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down from God out of heaven, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. There's a lot of great things that are going on in this passage of Scripture, and really we're going to be here for probably... Uh, three or four weeks to really digest and to talk about all that's being stated in verse 1 through about verse number 8. And then as we get to this Jerusalem, this new holy city, there's a number of spectacular sights that we're going to try to unfold and peel back the layers of this wonderful picture and see of all God 
is preparing. I can't help but believe in the thing that there's some kind of connection between Revelation chapter 21 and John chapter 14. Let me just remind you of that passage of Scripture. As the Bible says in John chapter 14 and verse number 1, Let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me and my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you, I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you unto myself, that where I am, there you may be also. And whether I go, I know, uh, you know, and the way you know. And so as we think about the future, as we think about all that God is doing, we know that He is in that creating uh, creation mode. He is uh, the Creator God. In the beginning, God created the heaven and the earth. And yet, uh, because of sin, judgment has to be made, given. And uh, we see that the old heaven and the earth, old earth is consumed. It is destroyed. And as we think about heaven, let me remind you that heaven, again, Genesis chapter 1, we know in verse number 1 that it's talking about the actual location of the throne of God. Uh, but as we have looked at heaven being divided up into three categories, the first heaven, the second heaven, and the third heaven, we cannot help but also to associate those three heavens in the destruction and also in the new creation that is found here in Revelation chapter 21. Uh, let me have you turn with me to 2 Peter chapter 3. 2 Peter chapter 3. And the Apostle Peter gives us uh, an unveiling of the judgment of God during this period of time and as the day of the Lord uh, comes into play. The Word of God um, brought forth the heavens and it's the Word of God that is going to bring forth new heavens. The Bible says in 2 Peter chapter 3 and verse 4 and saying, where is the promise of His coming? For since the fathers fell asleep, all things continue as they were from the beginning of creation, of the creation. For this they willingly are ignorant of. That by the word of God the heavens were of old, and the earth standing out of the water and in the water, whereby the world that then was being overflowed with water perished. But the heavens and the earth which are now by the same word are kept in store reserved unto fire against the day of judgment and perdition. Again, the word perdition, loss or ruin, destruction, the day of judgment, God is going to destroy. And it says, reserved under fire against the day of judgment and perdition of ungodly men. God is not only going to judge uh, mankind in a sense of this destruction, ungodly men, the wrath of God being poured out upon them, but also we see this thought of judging this world and totally annihilating in the sense of bringing forth a new heaven and a new earth. And in that new earth, we see a new holy city as a bride and yet is the bride coming down. And in that city, the capital where the tabernacle of God is. We understand in the Old Testament, the tabernacle was where Shekinah glory would dwell. It was the very presence of God. And as we look at Revelation chapter 21, we know that the presence of God, He being with His people and His people being eternally with Him. There's a lot of things that we're going to talk about in this passage of Scripture. Really exciting. But we see the old earth being destroyed. Peter tells us about that. Verse 8, it says, But beloved, be not ignorant of this one thing, that the day is with the Lord as a thousand years, and a thousand years as one day. 
The Lord is not slack concerning His promises, as some men count slackness, but is long-suffering to us. We're not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. But the day of the Lord will come as a thief in the night, in which the heavens shall pass away with a great noise, and the elements shall melt with fervent heat. The earth also and the works that are therein shall be burned up. And so as we think about the consuming of the earth, God is going to consume, literally burn this earth, the Bible says, with a fervent heat, and it's going to melt. As the Bible speaks about this earth uh, melting, the very core is going to stay in its position, and God taking that core and creating a new earth, but the earth melting, being burnt. The Bible with a, says, with a fervent heat, the earth also and the works that are therein shall be burned up also. They're going to be burned up. Uh, and really, that passage is in correlation to what we're reading here in Revelation chapter 21. If you go back to uh, verse 4, it says, And God shall wipe away all tears from their eyes, and there shall be no more death, neither sorrow, nor crying, neither shall there be any more pain, for the former things are passed away. Because that consuming, the burning up of this earth, and the former things being done away with. Go with me back to 2 Peter chapter 3. It says, in verse 10, But the day of the Lord will come as a thief in the night, in the which the heavens shall pass away with a great noise, and the elements shall melt with a fervent heat, and the earth also, and the works that are therein shall be burned up. Seeing then that all these things shall be dissolved, what manner of persons ought ye to be in all holy conversation and godliness, looking for and hasting unto the coming of the day of God, wherein the heavens being on fire shall be dissolved. Now again, he uses the word heavens. Genesis chapter 1 verse 1, In the beginning God created the heaven and the earth. We understand those two locations, the throne of God, the very presence of God, the location of that spiritual realm versus this tangible earthly world that we live in. God created earth so you and I as human beings could live and everything that deals with our function, whether it be gravity or the sense of uh, needing a sun or uh, the elements such as rain or the provision of food, all of those things connected to our tangible body. But here we see that the Bible speaks about the heavens being on fire, being dissolved. Where in the heavens being on fire shall be dissolved, and the elements shall melt with fervent heat. Nevertheless, we, according to His promise, look for new heavens, uh, skies where birds dwell, and sing, and have their dominion, where clouds uh, uh, rain, and uh, uh, there's the element of, of, of sun and moon uh, in the space and solar systems and uh, so forth and so on, and then the very uh, location of the throne of God, the presence of God in that spiritual realm. New heavens and a new earth. New heavens in that consistency of three places. A new earth in the consistency of one tangible earthly world wherein dwelleth righteousness. And I think the biggest difference between the old and the new is this thought of removal of pollution. Uh, as he states in the very last portion of that verse, wherein dwelleth righteousness. Verse 14, Wherefore, beloved, seeing that you look for such things, be diligent that you may be found of Him in peace without spot and blameless. And again, as we think about First and Second Peter, uh, much of that scripture being for the tribulational saint, as the Bible says, they're thinking about these things. Beloved, seeing that you look for such things, be diligent 
that ye may be found of him in peace, without spot, and blameless. And again, that thought of that tribulation on Satan enduring to the end and withstanding from the mark of the beast. Uh, we in the dispensation of the grace of God that we live in, again, through Christ, uh, we are still to the day of redemption. Uh, someone was talking to me the other day about going through the tribulational period. Well, it can't be because it's two different programs. When you study those two different programs, the program that God is working in right now, the body of Christ, both Jew and Gentile, bond and free, we have salvation eternally until the day of redemption. Uh, what is the day of redemption? First Thessalonians chapter 4. Uh, even for the dead in Christ, that day of redemption, the Holy Spirit of God is with that dead body in the grave. And yet with that body until that moment of connection and uh, recouping and being reunited once again, spirit, soul, and body in the air. And so as we think about the program that we're in, we're saved or by grace you saved through faith. And that not of yourselves. Whereas that tribulational saint, again, as you see here, uh, without spot, that they may be found in him in peace without spot and blameless. Verse 15, and account that the long suffering of our Lord is salvation, even as our beloved brother Paul, also according to the wisdom given unto him, hath written unto you. Again, Peter, knowing the grace of God and seeing it and uh, and, and, and not understanding it as the apostle Paul uh, did. He says in verse 16, as also in all his epistles, speaking in them of the, these things, in which are some things hard to be understood. Two different programs. Uh, as Peter was the apostle to the circumcision, and as Paul was the apostle to the uncircumcision. So Peter, once again, historically is writing, to uh, Jewish people, but also prophetically is writing to a tribulational setting, and he's talking about things that will come to pass. As we look at Revelation, this book, uh, for those that read it and study it, there's a special uh, gift that's given to them, as he says in Revelation chapter 1. Let me just read it. He said, Blessed is he, verse 3, Blessed is he that readeth, and they that hear the words of this prophecy, and keep those things which are written therein, for the time is at hand. Now, I think there's an element of that that is good for us. But even in that note, uh, that passage is written for that tribulational setting because I'm not keeping these things that are written in the book of Revelation. I'm not enduring to the end. I'm not withstanding for the mark of the beast. Even if I went out and got a tattoo of 666, God forbid. But that in this dispensation of grace that we're living in uh, does not fit here for Revelation. Uh, we're not withstanding from the mark of the beast. We're not bowing down or rejecting or refusing to bow down to the state in the sense of worshiping uh, 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 the beast and the false prophet, and these, uh, these things that we find in the book of Revelation. I said all of that to say this. We find uh, the world is coming to an end. It is coming to an end. It's, uh, humanity is going to be judged. As we talked about the great white throne, those that reject Christ, they're judged because of their lack of salvation. But second of all, they're judged because of the works that they do in their body. And that's going to be the degrees of hell and eternal punishment and separation uh, from God. Uh, and, and, and yet we find after all of those things, the earth melting uh, and God uh, melting the heavens and creating for us and for him this purpose of being reunited in complete fellowship with his creation. The pinnacle of his creation. Mankind. Mankind desires 
to walk with uh, 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 God desires to walk with mankind. God desires to have a relationship with mankind. God wants in your life to be a one-on-one God, a personal God, to have an intimate relationship with you. And as we think about Genesis, uh, it's really sad uh, that the Bible brings to uh, to the surface this relationship that Adam and Eve had with God as God Somehow an invisible God revealed Himself to them as they were in the human form as He revealed Himself to them and walked with them in the cool of the day. Because here we find, um, once again, uh, the the Bible stating that. uh, Verse 8, And they heard the voice of the Lord walking in the garden in the cool of the day. You know, the voice of of the Lord God walking. Uh, Not that a voice is walking, but God revealed Himself as He did Uh, This really constitutes a relationship that they had with God prior to sin. And it's sad in the sense that we don't read about that relationship prior to the fall. This is brought to the surface because of the sin that is revealed, the choices that were made, and their disobedience that was birthed uh, and and conceived in their heart and birthed in a tangible way of, of eating the fruit that God had told them not to eat of. And so, um, what has what is God's will? God's will is that you walk with Him. You look at walking all throughout the Scriptures. I mean, turn over to the book of Galatians. Paul talks about it in a very tangible way. Can I walk with God? Absolutely. Absolute, absolutely. The steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord. What are the directions? What, what is the order? The order is that you walk with Him. Galatians chapter 5 and verse 16 he says, this I say then, walk in the Spirit, and ye shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. He says down in verse 25, if we live in the Spirit, let us also walk in the Spirit. We are to walk with God. And uh, we have that opportunity. We have that privilege. And yet, in this world, in this lifetime, there are certain elements that hinder that, that come between that, that cause distancing in our relationship with us and God. And uh, they literally blind us. They literally sidetracked us. They 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 uh, catch our uh, uh, attention. They captivate us. Uh, we uh, sometimes are like a little child that's listening to an adult give instruction, and then out of the corner of their eye, they see uh, nothing more than a butterfly, and they're caught off guard by this butterfly. That's how we are sometimes with the things of the world. And so the one of the the beauty of chapter 21 is no more old earth, no more old heaven, no more. Uh, and when we think about the heavens, this fervent heat that's going to melt the heavens, what does that have to do with the heavens? When you think about this world, this earth, it's not just talking about the sin and the the the, the economy of the world and the effects that sin has on the body. But we're talking about tsunamis. We're talking about earthquakes. We're talking about uh, hailstorms that cause damage. We're talking about a new world in which all of these things, there is complete peace. There is utopia. There is uh, no more tears, sorrow, crying, pain, or death. But uh, above and beyond that, when we talk about the sun and the moon and the stars and the planets, they're going to be destroyed, remade, no more violent thunderstorms, typhoons, hurricanes. Uh, there's going to be no more stars or solar systems that are burnt out. 
uh, and 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 uh, the different effects. I know my son was talking to me today about uh, uh, a certain asteroid that was coming close to the Earth, and that's uh, scientists are saying in the year 2017 it's going to have catastrophic effects to planet Earth. I don't know if that's true or not, or if it will happen or not, but the Bible does speak about those things happening in the last days. And so uh, as we think about new heavens, uh, the sky, uh, the solar system and space, and then the actual uh, eternal realm uh, where angelic beings and all of those things are at. And then as you think about, as Paul said, uh, principalities and powers and uh, these positions of authorities out in the heavens, God creating, uh, once again, making those things new. And the reason why is because it is annihilation of sin and pollution. It is a removal of these uh, ungodly entities and a place where God has complete and utter, clear, transparent relationship with His people. We find that in verse number 3. If you will, look with me in Revelation chapter 21 and verse 3. And I heard a great voice out of heaven saying, Behold, the tabernacle of God is with men, and He shall dwell with them, and they shall be His people. And God Himself shall be with them and be their God. That's the whole focus of what God's eternal plan is. That He would be our God and we would be His people. And I'm grateful, uh, as Moses said, that he would rather suffer with the children of Israel than to enjoy the pleasures of sin for season. I'm grateful that you and I have a choice to do that today. That tagging along with God, having a relationship with Christ, living for the Lord, it's not suffering. Man, God's been good to us. And if we were called to suffer, even in that suffering, there's certain elements of uh, that suffering that God would uh, uh, bless and work and do some amazing things as we look at the life and the ministry of Paul. But uh, I, I want to submit to you, it has never been a chore. It has never been a job. It has never been some burden, this yoke of bondage that we carry around our neck, this 50-pound weight of walking with God. It's been a privilege. It's been a joy. And uh, praise God that we have that privilege to do uh, those things right now in our life uh, versus then. What I want to do tonight is I want to talk about God. I want to talk about the Lord God. And we find basically seven things are mentioned in verse 1 through verse 8 about God. And I really think that that should be the focus of our attention. We have a new heaven and a new earth because of God. We have uh, no more tears and the former things are passed away. There's no more death, nor crying, nor no more pain. Why? Because of God. You know, as Paul prayed three times that the thorn of the flesh would be removed from him, yet it did not happen uh, someday and in the present for the life and ministry of Paul, there, uh, <laughs> there's no more pain. Uh, and, and, and why is that possible? Why is that doable? Because of God. And so I, I praise the Lord for a holy city, but we have a holy city in the New Jerusalem. We have a capital for uh, God to dwell, uh, a tabernacle for God to dwell and, and people to enter into the, to the physical presence of God. But what's the focus of the new city? It's God. It's God. So tonight I want to talk about the Lord Jesus Christ. I want to talk about God. And I want you to notice, number one, the first thing that we find is found in verse 1 through verse 2. And it is the God who creates. There are seven things about God that we find in this passage. And the first one is that we find God is a creator. And the Bible says in verse number 1, and I 
saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the first heaven and the first earth were passed away. and There was no more sea. And I, John, saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down from God out of heaven, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. Whether it be the new heaven and the new earth, whether it be a new Jerusalem, uh, whether it be that God has created the old heaven and the old earth, or these new things that we find here, God is a creator God. And I say these things just to remind you, as we think about science and all that opposes God and so-called science, uh, science so-called falsely, uh, as the Bible says in the book of Romans chapter 1, that uh, they were ever learning and yet never able to come to the knowledge of truth. Turn over to Romans chapter 1. Let me just read some of these scriptures to you. Uh, he says down in verse number 19, Because that which may be known of God is manifest in them, for God hath showed it unto them, for the invisible things of Him from the creation of the world are clearly seen, being understood by the things that are made, even His eternal power and Godhead, so that they are without excuse. Why does evolution want to deny the existence of God and tear down the origin of all things coming from God? Why? Because they want to do away with eternal punishment they want to do away with God's commandments. They want to do away with the law of God so they might be able to live in the sin and the wickedness of this world. He says in verse 21, Because that when they knew God, they glorified Him not as God, neither were thankful, but became vain in their imagination, and foolish. their foolish hearts was darkened, professing themselves to be wise. They became fools and changed the glory of the uncorruptible God into an image made like unto corruptible man, to birds and a four-footed beast and creeping things. Wherefore God also gave them up to uncleanliness through the lust of their own hearts to dishonor their own bodies between themselves. Here's the key. Verse 25. Who changed the truth of God into a lie and worshipped and served the creature more than the Creator who is blessed forever. Amen. What we have today is what we find in the book of Romans. When men make more protection and more laws about taking the life, uh, the existence of a black snake than they do an unborn child, we live in a wicked society that Roman, the book of Romans teaches us about. This is where we're at, folks. This is where we're at. Uh, there's more uh, laws... Uh, I was listening to uh, to a commercial the other day, and they were talking about during these times of uh, the virus that we are to uh, take care of our animals in our home as they are the same as another member of my family and your family. That's not that's that's crazy. It's crazy in the sense not that we are that we shouldn't take care of them. We should. You find that as God gave. Man, dominion over the garden, even to what? Dress it and keep it? We have this planet to take care of it. You have a yard to take care of. But it's, it, it, it's, it's, it's crazy to think that mankind looks at the value of an animal as if it is equal to my son or my daughter's life. And that's the world that we're living in. When people care more, than, more about animals than they do about uh, humanity. And it's just another example of, of tearing down a, uh, the Bible and building up evolution because we all come from sludge and we all evolved over millions and millions and trillions and billions of years 
You know, who was here then anyways to be able to say that, that the earth is that old? Just use some logic. Uh, I, I was I was talking to one of my kids the other day and he said to me, Dad, you know the earth, uh, excuse me, Dad, you know the sun is going to burn up in uh, X of thousands, millions of years from now. And I said, really? How do you know that? Well, other other stars, it took them that long to burn up. Really? Who Who was here? Uh, th th these people are so uh, foolish in their education, uh, degrees upon degrees, and yet not knowing the truth. And uh, yet, you know what? Hey, the world's going to burn up one of these days. You believe in global warming? I do too. Maybe in a different sense. But this is the reality as Second uh, Peter chapter 3, verse number 7 speaks of it. And it's not because... Uh, man hasn't taken care of it. It's not because you and I run too much to the Walmart and our gasoline pollutes uh, the atmosphere. It's because mankind and this world is going to be judged because of our sin nature. This is the reality. God removing all of these things from the equation to have perfect peace with mankind and perfect transparent relationship with God. What a wonderful thought. God is is going to create. Number two, we see the God who creates. We also see the God who comes. Who comes. The Bible says in verse 3, And I heard a great voice out of heaven saying, Behold, the tabernacle of God is with men, and He will dwell with them. Isn't it wonderful to be able to come home isn't it wonderful to be able to go to that place that you long for, that you love, to be with those family and friends that you think of and, 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 and you pray for and you meditate on and, and you ponder on? Isn't it wonderful? What a wonderful sight to know that uh, the God who creates is the one that's going to come to us. I didn't come to Him, but He came to me. When I wasn't thinking about Him, He was thinking about me uh, prior to my existence, even in the womb, He knew me and, and He knows the hairs and the number of hairs upon my head. God sees us, God loves us, and He has desire to have a relationship with us. Here's the practical point for every believer tonight. Come to God. Draw nigh to God. Get close to God. Dwell with God. Walk with God. Let Him come to you. Let Him speak to you. Let, let Him uh, minister to you. Let Him comfort you. Let, let Him encourage you. Let Him uh, uplift you. Let, let, let Him help you. This is a God that we see. Our communion with God in a new world is the very thing that Jerusalem uh, had always point, was appointed to be. God's people. A distinct separated people. Jerusalem, a distinct separated city. The Bible says a holy city. Even as Pastor Tyler was preaching this morning in, in the Gospel of Matthew, it speaks about Jerusalem, the holy city. And as we think about this new city, uh, a separated city. Why? Because God uh, has a distinct program. God has a distinct uh, will. God has a distinct people. God has a distinct plan. God has a holy Relationship that He desires to have for you. If you look in Leviticus chapter 26, He speaks about it in verse number 12. It says, And I will walk among you and will be your God, and ye shall be My people. I am the Lord your God which brought you forth out of the land of Egypt. 
Egypt's always a picture of the world. It's always a picture of sin. Aren't you grateful this, this evening that as a child of God, you're no longer living in Egypt? And he says, I'm the Lord your God which brought you forth out of the land of Egypt, that ye should not be their bondmen, to be enslaved. He says, and I have broken the bands of your yoke and made you go upright. Praise God. Those bands and those imprisonments and those bonds and those shekels and fetters and chains, they fall. Even as you look over the book of Matthew, uh, uh, Mark chapter 5, uh, uh, at the maniac that was uh, bound by different city men and, and people in the village. Uh, uh, he was bound with fetters and chains and yet he was, he was uh, held captive more so inwardly than outward. He was held captive by legions, demons. But God comes by, Christ comes by, and He frees the man. And that's what this whole book is about. God freeing you and I from ourself, from our humanity, from our helplessness and our nature, which is ungodly and wicked. Uh, even our righteousness is as filthy rags. We do things so many times uh, in a manipulated way and, and a deceitful way in a, in a way that is nothing more than at its very core a lie. And God, He, he, he saw past all of that uh, to what we could be in Christ. And that is a new creature. Aren't you grateful we've got a new creature? We're made a new man, but we also have a new heaven and a new earth. Praise the Lord, even in that spiritual sense of my own life being what? No, you're not. We're a new creature, right? These old lifestyle and, and the old mindset, uh, we don't have to live there anymore. We see the God who creates. We see the God who comes. Number three, we see the God who comforts. The Bible says in Revelation chapter 21, verse 4, God shall wipe away all tears from their eyes. Why is this important? It's important because... This world's brought sorrow and sadness. It's brought devastation and ruin. It's raped. It's it's uh, pillaged. It's it's stolen. It has taken so much life from us. It has left us for dead. It has broken our bones. It has uh, shattered our core. It has destroyed anything good and happy and joyful and pure. Uh, even with children today at the age of eight, nine years old being introduced to ungodly, wicked things and, and the purity of that child being uh, taken from them in the sense of their mind. Uh, this is the world! And it's God who wipes away all tears from their eyes to enter into eternity no longer being able to look at life the way we once or did or the way that we do now in the sense of knowing people that die and go to hell would be such a maddening thing. But God wiping away the tears in the sense of revamping our thought process, knowing that anything and everything that God does is holy and just and right. And God taking the tears from our eyes. God possibly uh, even removing uh, the remembrance of pain. As the Bible says, tears from their eyes. And there shall be no more death. And those that, that thought of death there being the physical, but it also being the uh, eternal separation of mankind from God. This is, again, a beautiful picture that we find of tangible 
uh, eternity with God. This is what we have to look forward to with God. It says, neither sorrow nor crying. Little children that wake up in the morning, uh, their bellies are empty and hungry and, 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 and they're crying out. Mothers that don't have it to, to be able to give and fathers that uh, are living in poverty. All of these things being done away with a new heaven and a new earth. Can you, can you imagine the amount of space on planet earth that's nothing more than a wasteland, a desert land? There's soil that cannot be farmed because of certain pollutions upon that soil. Certain waters that cannot be drank, drank because of, of pollutions uh, and and, and uh, Diseases and viruses and all of these different. Can you imagine a complete earth, a globe that houses millions, billions of people and consistency of purity and, 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 and positive things, greenery and lush gardens and waterfalls and, and, and just all types of uh, plants. And then to look into the space. You think the heavens declare the handiwork of God now in a sinful state that this world is in? Can you imagine a new heaven as, as all the heavens are melted with a fervent heat? We, we look out on a clear crystal night and, and we look into the heavens and you can see the thousands, millions of stars. Can you imagine when God creates that new spectacular sight? It'll be amazing. The Bible says, Neither shall there be any more pain. Physical, emotional, and spiritual pain, heartache, breakups, broken homes, ruined marriages, failures and defeats, all of those things, no more. We talk about things all the time today that are connected with this. Marriages that wind up in divorce. Children that live in broken homes. Situations where uh, uh, governmental powers come in and kill thousands of people in a village because of a maddening uh, dictator that stands behind that rule and authority. God will be king. The former things are passed away. To understand that context or, or that statement, the former things are passed away. To understand it is to, to look back at humanity and history and, 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 and to collaborate all of these things together. Racism and violence. The Jews being killed in holocausts and hunted like dogs. The hatred for God's people. The hatred for His Word. None of those things. Even those leaders and those rulers that might be Christians and that are Christians that try to serve God. Even as you look at David, David in his humanity was imperfect. And I'm grateful to know that our God is greater than the heavens. Our God is greater than the angels. Our God is greater than David. And as he Creates He creates in a sense to come and dwell. And, and all of this is done, uh, uh, third of all, to comfort. To comfort. If you will, look with me in the Old Testament, Isaiah chapter 25. The Bible says in Isaiah chapter 25 and verse number 8. 
He will swallow up death and victory. The Lord God will wipe away all tears from all, all faces. And the rebuke of his people shall he take away from off all the earth. You think about that statement. The rebuke of his people shall he take away from, uh, from off all the earth. The Lord has spoken. And how many people today hate the Jews in our world? They don't even have a reason. It's nothing more than the spirit of the Antichrist and uh, God's chosen people and and uh, who they are and uh, the way they live and, and, and these people, so many liberals today hating Jews, hating Jews. And God wiping away all of that. Why? Because he comforts. The fourth thing that we see about God is that he, uh, the fifth, uh, excuse me, the fourth thing that we see about God is that it is a God, he is a God who confirms. If you look down in verse 5, and he that sat upon the throne said, Behold, I make all things new. Behold, I make all things new. And he said unto me, Write, for these words are true and faithful. He confirms it. Write, for these words are true and faithful. John 17, 17, Sanctify them through thy truth, thy word is true. You know, the Bible says many times Christ in his earthly ministry, he would say, Verily, verily, truly, truly. John chapter 3, uh, there's a man of Pharisees named Nicodemus, ruler of the Jews. The same came to Jesus by night and said unto him, Rabbi, um, we know that thou art a teacher which comes from God, for no man can do these miracles that thou doest except God be with him. Jesus saith unto him, Verily, verily, truly, truly, this book, from the beginning to the ending, it's both true and it's both faithful. Everything that you find in this book is accurate. There's not 99.9% of it right. It's all right. Even if you don't believe it's all right. It's all right. Every bit of it's all right. And it's all right because of the author. He's perfect. He's without flaw. He's sinless. Everything that he does is far beyond, uh, far beyond, beyond any of our expectations. He which hath begun a good work in you will perform it until the day of redemption. This is God. He keeps His promises. He says what He uh, He does what He says He'll do, and it's faithful. It's true. There's hope. There's joy. There's comfort in these words. True and faithful. True and faithful. People don't believe that God's going to come back even in a day like this, with so many things going on and and so many worries and fears and thoughts of what this is really what this really is or what this could be or, or if it's nothing more than a global virus, if it's nothing more than a global virus, that's enough to make everyone think about God and the world coming to an end. It really is. And the former things passed away and the words are true and faithful. He confirms it. Number five, he's a God who completes He's a God who creates. He's a God who comes. He's a God who comforts. He's a God who confirms. He's a God who completes. Verse 6. And He said unto me, It is what? Done. It is done. Can you imagine? As the Bible says, that for the Lord is not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. He is long-suffering. He, he extends His grace and His mercy. But there is coming a day when he will say, it is done. It is done. Look over in John chapter 19. John chapter 19. He said this, 
at His crucifixion, did He not? He came to do a certain work. God is uh, uh, specifically doing things. He's working. He has uh, things in in uh, uh, consistent with His nature. He has a plan. He has an end plan. He has end results. This is what God is doing. And the Bible says, John chapter 19. John chapter 19. Look in verse number 30. And when Jesus therefore had received the vinegar, He said, It is finished. It is finished. He bowed His head and gave up the ghost. Just as much as you can mark that down that God, the Lord Jesus Christ gave up His life. No man took it from Him. He said, It is finished. He gave up the ghost. It is done. Here in Revelation chapter 21, he completes. Have you ever had a project in your family, your home, your, your house there where you live that you didn't complete? And uh, maybe the first couple of weeks you looked at it, you thought about it. I'm going to get to it. I'm going to get to it. But as time passed by, that thing that was not completed it became out of sight, out of mind. And really, it wasn't out of sight. It was right there before you. But you you, you became uh, used to it. This is not God. He doesn't become accustomed to uh, humanity living in this lifestyle. It is. It has never been the will of God. Uh, you know, why did He destroy the earth with water? Why did he destroy humanity, uh, Sodom and Gomorrah, with a fire? Because he doesn't like the fact that man lives in ungodly rebellion and sin against him. Uh, he, he, he completes things. He finishes things. The Bible says in verse number 6, And he said unto me, It is done, I am Alpha and Omega, the beginning and the end. I will give unto him... That is a thirst of the fountain of the water of life freely. The water of life freely. You remember the story of John chapter 4 and the woman at Samaria and she's at Jacob's well and she asked the Lord Jesus Christ, are you greater than our father Jacob who dug this well? Oh dear sister, he is Sometimes we can't look past the well. Sometimes we can't look past the ground that we're standing on. And yet the ground that we're standing on is a true picture of the Creator who made it all, who's going to destroy it all, and then He's going to recreate it all. This is something that God does. He's a completer. And then the Bible tells us, number six, He's a God who covers He's a God who covers. He's a God who covers. I like verse 6. And He said unto me, It is done. I am Alpha and Omega, the beginning and the end. I will give unto Him that is a thirst of the fountain of the water of life freely. Freely. Can you circle that word freely in your Bible? This is a God who covers our debt. This is a practical note here. You can't pay your way into heaven. You can't work your way into heaven. You can't religious uh, 
your work your, your way into heaven oh I'm a good religious person well there's a lot of good religious people that die and go to hell they're there today there's one who covers our debt he covers you look at John chapter 10 let me just give you this practical verse we'll close in just a few moments he says in John chapter 10 down in verse number 10 the thief cometh not but for to steal and to kill and to destroy I am come that they might have life and that they might have it more abundantly. More abundantly. He uh, gives it to us freely now. He gives, us to it, he gives it to us freely then. This fountain of the water of life. I remember as a kid, as Disney and different cartoons would put on this thought of finding the, 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 the well of life. This spring of water that somehow brought youth and vitality in the physical form to the body as it would extend life out into the eternals. Well, the sad part of that story is that there's still the imperfection of the spirit, soul, and body, still lacking in completion, still living in um, corruption as the body is sinful. And as the heart is wicked, and as the mind uh, is consumed with wicked imaginations, and we have to bring these imaginations before God in, in a readiness to revenge uh, and, and with wrath, all of these wicked thoughts, uh, such a state it would be horrible. But in, e in an eternal state, he says the water of life, the fountain of the water of life, We'll get into that in the next couple of weeks to come. There's a few more things that we're going to talk about with that. But uh, let me just say very simply that he covers. Then number seven, last of all, we see in verse seven through verse eight that Jesus is the God who calls. Verse seven, and he overcometh, he that overcometh shall inherit all things. And I will be his God. And he shall be my son. But the fearful and unbelieving and abominable, murderers, and whoremongers, and sorcerers, and idolaters, and all liars shall have their part in the lake which burneth with fire and brimstone, which is the second death. Let me stop. That verse is right. That, that's, that verse is for us right now. People that uh, live in unbelieving abominable, murderous, whoremonging lives. People that are filled with sorcerers, given over to witchcraft. And he just go, goes through a list of uh, Christ-hating, sinful lifestyles. Idolaters. Liars. They, uh, what does the Bible say? Six things doth the Lord hate, yea, seven is abomination. God hates. God despises. And this is a God who calls. What's the ending message here? He's calling people tonight to repentance. He's calling people tonight to turn from uh, sin to God, to turn from unbelief to faith. He's, he's calling people. That's why He hasn't come yet. That's why the rapture hasn't happened yet. Because there's still people that need to be saved. And if you're listening tonight, I wouldn't want to be a part of verse 8. Uh, to know that there's a new heaven and a new earth, new Jerusalem, 
spectacular sights, things, lifestyle, and eternal eternity with God. And everything that God produces, perfection. You and I, that's what we have to enjoy throughout eternity. And uh, what a promise He has given to us. Our Heavenly Father, we love you tonight. God, we thank you for your word. Lord, I pray as we end that you would encourage your people uh, to be students and, Lord, to study. God, thank you for this truth that we find, this promise that has been given. Lord, as we look at the New Jerusalem in days to come and all that is presented to us in the building and the makeup of it, Lord, I pray that you would help to uh, educate your people. Lord, help me as a pastor to preach the full counsel of God's word. Help me be a student, God, to grow my own personal life and be able to relay that message in a transparent way. Lord, I pray that if there's one here listening tonight that does not know you, that they would say, Lord, I know I'm a sinner. And as the Bible says, for all of sin and come short of the glory of God. And to believe in the death, the burial, and the resurrection. As the Bible says in Romans chapter 5, and verse 8, God committed his love towards us, and that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. And Lord, to know... As Romans three, uh, Romans six twenty three says, "For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord." As we talked about giving of that water freely, He gives of the water freely tonight, and it's the water of salvation to come to the drinking well of this book. And as this book is a cleansing agent, God, I pray that You would encourage that lost person to say, "Lord, I know I'm a sinner. I need to be saved." Lord, I believe in Calvary and the resurrection of Jesus. Come into my heart. Forgive me of my sins and save me. Lord, I pray that you would do that work. We love you. We praise you. In Christ's name we pray. Amen.